0: This is Come and See from St. Andrews Anglican Church for February 12th, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 45. The message is by Father Ron Baird. where your skin basically decays and just falls off. And, and sometimes the bone is exposed, the wounds it can look like an open wound and ooze, and, and, it, and the smell is horrible. I mean, it really was, was a disgusting-looking disease. You can imagine if, if it was on their face or whatever, how awful these people looked. And what was even worse was that they thought that it was highly contagious. And so, if someone in your family contracted leprosy, then everyone else in your family could contract leprosy too and matter of fact, everyone in the whole village could contract leprosy. Now, we know now that actually it wasn 't contagious at all, but but at that point, they thought they did, and they would shun them, they would drive them out of the village. you know even your own family would if you wouldn 't go would take rocks and throw them at you to make you leave because they were terrified that if it swept through the community, everybody would die. About the closest thing we've had to that was probably in the 1980s. you remember when AIDS first got to be something that people actually heard about? I mean, people always thought you could catch AIDS by shaking people's hands and doing things. I uh, once had a, a woman ask me in, in my church in Point Pleasant if you could catch AIDS at the altar. And I said, well, I suppose you could, but that would be really highly inappropriate. Um, LAUGHTER what she meant was by drinking the cup. Um, but but the truth is, is that you really can't catch AIDS from drinking out of a cup. I mean, you, you can't get it that way. It's impossible. And yet, people were terrified. I mean, I, lots of people refused to take the cup because they were afraid of what disease they might catch and how awful it might because you didn't know where those other people had been. And I, I keep thinking about how fanatical we've become about things, you know. Let me uh take informal poll. How many people have hand sanitizer with them today? Quite or in the car anywhere, got yeah. A bunch of you. Can you imagine trying to explain hand sanitizer to your grandmother? <laughs> My grandmother always said, You used to eat dirt. <laughs> I mean, what in the world do you need hand sanitizer for? But we become very afraid. Of those things. So, in some ways, we can identify with their fears, particularly in a time when they didn't have drugs, they didn't have things to cure people of diseases at all. And so, they saw this as almost a life, you know, death sentence on their part. And so, they would literally drive them out of the community. And we even know about places that were set up as leper colonies um, on various places where they would move people off the the whole country. So, I didn't want them in the country. So, they would put them on a ship and send them all over to some other place. Now, the really sad thing about this for the leper is that it's not like they gave you a tourist brochure for lepers as you were leaving that said, here's where the lepers hang out. All that you had was that everybody that you had known, your wife, your children, your mother, your father, your friends, everybody would have nothing to do with you. And you were thrown out of your community. And you had to find your own way in, in this world. You had to find your own food and furthermore, if you had leprosy, the law said that you must go shouting. Anytime you are anywhere you could, within sight of anyone, you had to shout, Stay clear, leper! Stay clear, leper! Lest anybody accidentally bump into you and catch it. That'd be hard to get a date to the prom like that, wouldn't it? Stay clear, leper! Well, this man who undoubtedly was in a tough place i mean what's he going to do the people that he loved the people he thought loved him you know he he could never touch them again he could never see them again except for maybe from a far distance he couldn't get very close to them he was totally alone and he heard about this guy who was in capernaum and that he had healed this guy's mother-in-law and was healing all these diseases from people. And so he decided, what have I got to lose? I'm going to go see him. And what you need to know about it is that what the penalty for the law is. If you, if you don't yell out, stay clear, leper. If you go up to someone, it's a very simple penalty. They didn't have a long trial or appeal period. It was instant death. They killed you. Right there. That's what he risked by coming up to Jesus was death. If Jesus or the people around him had wanted to, they could have taken a sword out and killed him immediately. And nobody would have thought anything about it except that they did the right thing. So for him to go up to Jesus is is an act of desperation. You know, he, he does not want to live if this is what life is about. And he goes up to Jesus and he falls in front of him on his knees and he says... You could make me clean if you would choose to. Now, that's interesting in and of itself, the whole thing that's going on. If you notice, one, Jesus doesn't seem to be taken aback by this man who falls in front of him, even though he's not supposed to be there. And, and then he doesn't say, can you heal me of my leprosy? He says, he does not even say, would you? He says, I know you can if you would choose to do it. Now, that's faith, isn't it? He's already decided in his mind, I know this man can do this. Now, think about what it's like to be in a place where you are totally isolated, where everyone who's in your support system has abandoned you to put that kind of faith in anything. And yet, here he is. And it says that Jesus had pity on him in our translation. The, The word oftentimes translated had compassion on him. That the... The Greek word that's used there is in exact, it said he felt a deep feeling for him down to his bowels, is literally what the word means. It means he was moved in his gut for this man. And so he says, I do choose, be made clean. And instantly the man's healed and the leprosy falls off, all the dead skin falls off, and, and, and he's healed. And then Jesus does an interesting thing. He says to him, now, I want you to go directly to Jerusalem, and I want you to go to the priests and make the offering that is required for anyone who has been healed of this. If you want to know what the offering is, you can come to the Lenten study program because we're going to talk about the sacrifices that, in the sacrificial system. It was nice of God to put that in the lection area before I did it, when um, But he said, go there. That way you basically, practically, you get a certificate. wasn't really a certificate, but basically you have a certificate saying, I'm not a leper. And he can go home. He can finally go home. He's been healed. And then Jesus says something else to him. He says, but don't tell anybody how this happened. Now, why in the world is he telling him don't tell anybody? Well, that's partly true. Do you remember what happened last week? Because this is immediately following last week. Last week, he had been in Capernaum, and he'd healed Peter's mother-in-law. What happened the next morning? Everybody showed up. He went out to a quiet place to get away from The disciples come and said, "Everybody's looking for you." What did he tell them? Yeah, let's keep moving. Yeah, let's go on to the next town. I don't want to deal with that anymore. And, and do you remember why? Why were they coming to him? Because of what they wanted, right? They didn't come to him to serve. They came to him to receive a service. And that's not what he was about. And so when he tells this man, don't tell anybody, is it any wonder? Because he knows what's going to happen if he tells anyone. Not only is he going to tell every leper in the country, he's going to tell everybody in the country. And then next thing you know, any town he goes into, he's getting mobbed all over again both with sincere people and people who aren't sincere. And I don't know if you've ever done things where you're trying to help people, but sometimes if you're in a crowd, if you've ever done missionary work, this happens a lot, when you go to unload water off of a truck or something, people just mob forward. You can't really tell who the people are who are going to turn around and sell it on the black market and who the people are who sincerely are appreciative of the help. There's no way of knowing because there's just a huge crowd. And Jesus isn't interested in huge crowds You know, his mission was not to come in and lay hands on everybody and heal them and then, poof, go back to heaven. His mission was to bring good news into the world. And so he tells the man not to tell anybody. Well, if you think about it in and of itself, the whole thing's a little bit hard for this guy to have to comply with, isn't it? How do you explain? You know, you you show up again somewhere and somebody said, wait a minute, aren't you a leper? no, I'm not a leper anymore well, how'd that happen? can't tell you (laughs) why not? it's secret (laughs) what would they think? no, you're a leper you're just in remission or something I'll buy this and so this man goes and tells everybody that he encounters and what's amazing about it is he doesn't do the one thing that you would think that he would do what would you do? Well, yeah, but I mean, after when you left him, what would you do? And, and you made your offering. Yeah, when you want to see your family again. Never says he did that. What it says he spent his time doing was going and telling people the good news of what had been done for him. in In this one man, we have the story of what evangelism really is about. What the real blueprint for evangelism is. You know, evangelism is not hard. You don't have to be Billy Graham and do public speaking. You don't have to get a bullhorn and stand outside of Ohio Stadium and yell at people to repent. You don't have to hand out pamphlets. You know, none of those things are what evangelism is. Evangelism is actually very easy to do. Only the church could have made it so complicated that nobody wants to do it. And it's amazing. And evangelism takes certain steps, if you will. And so let me go through them. Well, let me go through what we oftentimes think of as evangelists. Now, I come from the South. I understood after 8 o'clock when I asked them. They said nobody does that here, but they do it in the South. People would come to your door usually on a Wednesday night because that's when they met and went out. And they would come two by two. I think that was for protection. But... and they would knock on your door, and you'd open your door. Hi, I'm so-and-so from you know, such-and-such Baptist church, and I'm here. We're doing a survey of the community. And you think, oh, well, okay, until you've had two of them, and then you realize there's no survey to this. And so the first question they say, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Now, as a priest, I have to tell you, I always found this a little bit humorous, and so I would sort of jerk their chain. And so when they say, do you know where you would go? And I said, absolutely. And they said, where would you go? And I said, I'd go to the morgue. And I'd drag them along a little bit to make them work hard at it, and then i will explain to them uh, that actually I knew Jesus Christ and I would be with him in heaven forever. And once they found out at that point I was Episcopalian, that they would get You're in a pista, pista, pista and then finally they'd just give up and leave, they kind of gave up. So my mother, you'll have heard about my mother. My, if you want to know where I got my sense of humor, it was from my mother. But my mother um, would just tell everybody when they'd come to the door, she'd open the door, she'd see the pamphlets, and she'd go, my son's an Episcopal priest, and she'd close the door on him. I said, Mom, it's not quite the same. That's how not to do evangelism, by the way. To knock on somebody's door and say, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? There's no good news in that. I mean, it doesn't go, oh, gee, I'm really glad you're here. I mean, nobody's going to do that. To stand out the corner at Ohio Stadium and yell at people to repent or else they're going to quick fry to a crackly crunch for all their sins is, is not good news. People don't need to hear that. So what is good news? Well, we see it in this man. This man had a helpless and hopeless situation, and he met someone who changed it. And so when he went out and told people, and they said, what happened to you? You're, you're a leper. And he'd say, I met this man, and he cleaned me. He cleansed me of all of it. It's gone. It was good news for him. Now, when he ran into other lepers, what do you think they said? Yeah, you know, where is he? Do you think he'd do that for me? Don't you think they wanted to know? I mean, picture this, if you ran into somebody one day and, and they said, you know, I'm going out and I don't know what your finances are like and all, but, you know, do you have more money than you need? I mean, your bill's all paid off and up to date and everything, your mortgage is good. And and if you said, well, no, not really. You know, we get by, but, you know, we're not doing too well. I said, well, I'm going to, I, I have more money and I possibly know what to do with. So I want to write you a check for $10 million. Well, your first question would be, what's the catch, <laughs> Right? He said, "No catch. I just want, I want to give it to you. Well, why so much? Well, because the government's going to take part of it. So I mean, you're, you know. But and I want you to learn how to be like this. And so I, I'm just giving away. Believe me, it won't affect my income at all. It's, it's yours. You can have it. So after you have him investigated by a private investigator and discover it's not drug money or anything else, because um, we're definitely cynical, and you find out that it's all true. He's just giving it away." And so you go home. What would you do with the money? Give it, to the Give it to the church. That's a politically correct answer, if I ever heard one. <laughs> Although she probably would, but um, but thank you. What would you do with all your bills? Pam, what would you do with the house that needs to be painted? Or or move right. Or get a new house or something. I mean, if your car was old and decrepit, but you were kind of nursing along, what would you do? You get a new one. You know, if your clothes were thread bare, what would you do? Buy new clothes. Yeah, you go get stuff. Do you think your neighbors would notice this change in your lifestyle? So when they came to you and said, "Let me ask you a question. What happened?" (laughs) Yeah. First of all, because they're probably wanting to make sure that you're not running drugs out of your house or something. But, um, but what happened? He said, well, I met this man. And he just gives away money to people. Do you think they'd say, well, I'm not having any part of that. <laughs> they'd want to know, well, who was it? Well, his name's certain. Well, do you think he would give me money? Well, I can't give it to you, but I can, you know. I think he might. And what would they want you to do? Can you show me <laughs> this guy? I want to know him. And would you say, "Nah, you're on your own. <laughs> I got mine. You're in trouble. I go, sure, I'll introduce you. I can't guarantee you anything's going to happen, right? But I'll introduce you. That's evangelism. It's just in a very secular thing, but it's telling good news to people. So if we want to be the evangelist that Christ calls all of us to be, then what we really have to do, first of all, is to identify in our own life what it is that God has healed us of, forgiven us of. What has God done for us? What has Jesus done for us that has made a difference? How has it changed us? Because quite honestly, if he hasn't done anything in your life to change you, you need to look at your life. Is there anybody here that doesn't have anything and never has had anything to feel guilty about? If there is, I want you to leave because the rest of the servants are relevant anyway. I mean, we all have those things. Those things that we just assume not be known. And so... If he's willing to forgive us those and restore us, if he's willing to heal us of our disease or our infirmities or or our weaknesses or our, our emotional trauma or our financial struggles, if he's willing to bring us to a new life, then we have some good news to share. But the good news isn't about going telling people, I've got mine.